Good morning, everyone. Father Roni is sitting for a confession for anybody who would like to go to confession. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Amen. Today in the church, we celebrate a beautiful feast day, the feast of the baptism of Jesus, which we call the feast of Dinha, Eva Dinhad Maran, where the word Dinha, or the verb to Dinah, which means to shine, more so in the, the idea where as the sun goes down and darkness covers the face of the earth at night, Dinha is referred to the moment when the sun shines from the horizons and disperses the darkness from the face of the earth. And why is it called Dinha? Why is this day called the Epiphany? Where we realize something, we come to knowledge of something beautiful and something great, because on this day it's considered a great feast, almost equivalent even to baptism, almost equivalent to the birth of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. Why? Because for the first time in the life of Jesus, for the first time in the story of salvation, we see the full revelation of the Trinity. We see the full revelation of God as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now how do we see it today as we read in the baptism of Jesus? Well, first we see God the Father. We hear His words as He says, Behold, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And we see Jesus, God the Son, the second person of the Holy Trinity, going into the waters of baptism. And then we see the third person of the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit, coming down on Jesus, descending upon Him like a dove. And this time we see for the first time on display the revelation of all three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together on display for humanity. They might not have understood it fully as defined as this doctrine of the Trinity, but because of that, this is considered a great feast. Now we know the baptism of Jesus, He introduces it for two things. Not because He Himself needs baptism, but he, the effects of baptism do two things. Number one, it inaugurates us. It makes us members of the body of Christ. It makes us sons and daughters of God through adoption, of course. One time, at one time when we were born, we were not part of this family. And by baptism, we are inaugurated into, we were brought into this family. The second effect of baptism is that it cleanses our original sin. It cleanses our original sin and gives us the grace to carry on this mission, this mission to heaven. This mission not just to be, be a child, but also to mature as a child of God. And so, in baptism though, what is symbolized, what is beginning is this process which happens in Jesus. The process of Jesus in His life was sorrow, suffering, death, and resurrection. In baptism, death and resurrection is seen. It's symbolized. It is kind of 
like done in a small way to represent that every person who enters the waters of baptism is going to have to go through that too. How? Well, when you go underwater, you don't breathe. If you breathe, you choke. So going underwater, there is no breath. So it symbolizes the moment Jesus went down into the grave after he died and after he was crucified on the cross. But once someone comes out of the waters of baptism, they take this new fresh breath, this new breath of life that God breathes into the person as if it is new life that He's breathing into him. And this represents and this signifies resurrection of the Christian. Which yes, happens in a sort of beginning way, in a seed form at our baptism, but it's to be lived out on a daily basis. So there is death and resurrection, as St. Paul says. He says, do you not know that you who have been baptized into Jesus were baptized into His death? You're like, I didn't sign up for that. But those who are baptized into Christ's death are also given the promise of resurrection. There is, there has to be with resurrection the death, right? But with death comes the promise of resurrection. So in our daily lives, we're not only called to just be baptized and that's it. Most people we see, we see at their baptism day, we see at their first communion, there's this big gap and when we see them at the wedding day, we see them when we say goodbye. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way where, where the Christian sees Jesus in these kind of monumental moments. You can live this life of the church where you're continuously living out your baptismal call. And what is your baptismal call? What is your call of baptism? is the promises you made at your first communion, if you remember, where you reject the devil, all of his schemes, all of his empty promises, and you receive, accept, and live for Christ. You remember that day of your first communion? Capital Sopana. Remember? Those are the moments where you are called to live your baptism promises. But I think at this moment, when we're trying to live these out, when we're trying to stay faithful to our baptismal promises, when we're putting to death sin or anything that keeps us far from Christ, that's, we can consider, the moments we're under that water. And that un, being under that water is the moment of purification. Being under that water is the time of renewal. And I think being under that water, we recognize that we have to be here. Those are the moments of our suffering. Those are the moments of our trials. Those are the moments where we are grieving. Those are the moments where we're being tempted and going through the challenges of defeating sin. And I think at some moment we feel almost as if being under that water, we know we have the promise of reaching to the surface at some point. But when everything piles up, we begin to get anxious. We almost feel as if we're drowning. We almost feel as if we forgot how to swim. 
And we almost feel as if getting back to the surface, as much as we try to bring ourselves up, it almost feels like we're not going to get there. Through our baptism, Christ brings us to these waters. And He wants to make us feel comfortable with, with them. To ensure us that the moments we are under that water, going through it, carrying our crosses, He wants you to know that remember when you were baptized, this is what was almost guaranteed. And because it's guaranteed, remember what else is promised to you. Is that there will be a moment where God will bring you to the surface and give you that new fresh, fresh breath of air. But during our life, all of that, it's allowed by God. It's allowed by Him with the promise that you'll make it to the surface with that new fresh breath of life, which is our resurrection. Those are the moments He wants to make us greater saints. Those are the moments He wants to build our trust in Him. Those are the moments where He wants us to be transformed. Those are the moments where with our cooperations, if we decide to give our lives entirely to Jesus, with our yes to Him, He will bring us out of sin and death and into the life that He offers us which is life eternal. And this is not only now, this is not only in our life or maybe at our death when we make it to heaven, but He will call the dead out of their graves at His second coming. He will pull them out of their graves and bring them with Him in His resurrection with all the joy of the saints and angels in heaven. Now, of course, this belief, this trust, this surrender, it doesn't promise an easy life. It doesn't promise deliverance from the water. But it makes you more at peace while you're in it. I remember when I was a kid, uh, we grew up with a pool at our house, and I remember my uncle was the one who taught me how to swim. And you know, Middle Eastern swim lessons, how they go. They don't teach you the breaststroke. They don't teach you all that, they say. Right? Figure it out. So, for me, I figured that out. But growing up with the pool, we all, oftentimes, we like practiced, you know, hey, I'll challenge you. Let's see who can hold your breath, the who can hold their breath the longest. And, you know, you do your best to try to breathe before you go into the water, you practice your breath, you have to calm yourself a little bit before you go under the water. <clears throat> so when you go under the water, the, the one who would hold their breath the longest is not the one who has the best lungs per se, but it's the one who is at most peace, whose body is relaxed, whose body is not anxious or afraid while they're under the water. Because you could get afraid and immediately after one second, you could freak out, start choking and get to the, want to go to the surface immediately. But when you are most peace, 
when you're free from fear, when your body is at ease, you're able to handle the waters better. And let's say you're under the water and you look down, you see there's just a bunch of darkness under you. It's fearful. Well, let's say for us in our spiritual life, one of the most peaceful moments we can get, the most hopeful moments that we get, even when we're under the waters, and we're at peace there, we can look up and say, there's light. There's light above me. And I just have to live my daily life following those commands of Jesus which will bring me the most peace. If we're far from the commands of Christ and from the challenges of our Christian faith, we won't have that peace that is promised to us. And the waters will be terrifying. So, today we renew our baptismal promises. You remember Jesus who breathed on His disciples. He gave them this breath. And as He breathed on them, He gave them the power to forgive sins. And how wonderful Jesus breathes on them this power to forgive sins. And every time we go to confession, that new breath of life is given to us. And it's said when we walk out of the confessional, this person was dead and now is alive. This person was lost and now is found. And this is through life in Jesus and life through the church He gave us, He gave us, which will give us this new breath of life to live relaxed and at peace breathing easy and resting in His hands. Amen.